just as unhirable with White Karen and Go To Gay Tommy. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brandon Collins, host of Media Popcorn, a comedian, producer. Thank you for having me back, guys. It's been a while. Oh, boom. I got my early birthday show at Union Hall on Friday, June 15th. It's going to be a lot of fun, 10 p.m. Uh, tickets are $8 in advance, $12 at the door. It's going to be dope. I'm going to get drunk. We're going to talk about magic. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, June 27th. It's early as fuck birthday show. That's what I called it. <laughs> great, great lead in. Um, yes, friend of the show, <laughs> Doug. Um, I was on when you talked about the Parkland shooting, and no one tried to get me fired, so. I, I came back. We considered it and we bailed on it. We bailed on it because we of law. We raised <laughs> the possibility of playing it. <laughs> and how awful that would be. But since we have some yeah. distance, uh, fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> the Parkland Spice Kids? Yeah, the Parkland Patch Kids. Or the Parkland Spice Kids. That's what it was. Because there's like sexy spice, there's dykey spice. <laughs> They popped in after the Texas thing a little bit. They were like on Twitter, tweeting stuff. Yeah. Great content, dick pics, all the stuff you're after. I would do it. Man, I gotta yep. sign up. And that's just lips. And you'll never get which ones. Surprise, they're both full of more lip. Okay, so last week, this is what everybody wants to know about. And it's a little bit what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna spend, I wanna put a timer on this. No more than 15 minutes talking about this before I mean, we get into it. It's an eternity. It's an eternity, but I feel like we can do it. So it's 9.26 p.m. on Tuesday, May 22nd. We'll be done 
by 940. Oh my god, give me your social. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I put my fucking address up on my Insta story no, today. Yeah, because I bought tickets to Michael Chase's like <laughs> black church that he does at uh, the Comedy Cellar. Why'd you buy tickets? You can you just go for free. I know, but I'll like hang out with you there. But I want to, I want to support. Okay, that's okay. Anyway, Michael Che, next Tuesday, May 28th, if you're around. He does the 29th. 29th, exactly. Yes. Actually, you know what? That's funny. This was a problem on his Insta story today. He was putting the wrong date. Ah. Anyway, I bought You know, brothers don't know numbers. I know. Well, neither do I. So I, I put my like screenshot of the thing, and then, anyway, I'm not going to lie. So, Daddy 2K, Michael Sakheim, also, who has my address. <laughs> he was on an episode of the show as well. If you alerted me to Insta, that. Um, terrible show. <laughs> you will see him. Picture we took for our episode. He tried to crash our pincer. So we invited him to be on. <laughs> so we invited him to be on. By the way, I am going to say this because I just did tease of our slacking farted on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so speaking I of farts. I just wanted to address in case you had heard it. You know the last time I did this, the first time I was like, I heard it. I was going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here we are again. Not the first person to be farted on on this. <laughs> you know how I was walking down the street and someone farted on me on purpose? Like, yesterday. Wait, it just turned towards you? So he was, I couldn't, okay, now in retrospect, like maybe it was one of those like camera from afar shows, you know? Or maybe I'm just being arrogant, but um, I was walking down the street with my sister in Union Square, and this guy's on like a Bluetooth kind of thing, talking really loud, and just as we're walking by, he kind of turns around, he's still talking really loud, and he goes, I don't know, sometimes I just really have to fart, and he sticks his butt out and farts on me as I walk by, <laughs> and I go to my sister, Wow, someone just farted on me. <laughs> and they had. And uh, he is what we call a friend of the show. <laughs> okay, so last week we were on uh, Race Wars with Race Wars, friend of Race Wars, not necessarily friend of Unhirable, but you can... Okay, friend of the show, come on. I, I have a hard time calling Milo... Yeah, my favorite part of the entire episode was watching three black people fuck with his name and watching him try to conceal his rage and then calling him yabba dabba Oh, that was funny. That was. that was like a line for that guy. I saw him control because with me, he could, if you listened, long story short, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, an immigrant who has a lot of opinions about American politics. Um, and I got some shit because at one point in my rage, I said, just like an immigrant, you come here. And I only said that really to get with him. I've been like examining it because a couple of people have like called me up for saying just like an immigrant to come here and have opinions on our politics. But I kind of said that like to be inflammatory. Um, but also he's like not coming here to actually make anything better. He's just coming here to talk about it. So that's what I was really saying. Like he wasn't coming here to actually participate in democracy. He was coming here to profit off of it. So but what's the difference? I'm thinking about that. Okay, maybe that's a fair question. I'm thinking about it. My point is I said something that people like called me out for a couple of people have called me out for so I'm thinking but uh, I don't want to like let that get in the way of Milo was on fucking race wars and I was completely triggered by it and Milo was completely triggered by my presence oh yeah and listening back to the episode I really heard how much we triggered each other and it made me feel not good like I don't feel good about how that episode went I don't feel good about how I like uh was able to communicate with him, but I also recognized that from my perspective, I was not talking to a real person. So that's what made the conversation so infuriating, was that he is not authentic at all, in person. I think everything that he says is a lie designed to reinforce this brand that he is riding into the grave. 
Well, I think also, I think also from talking to him before the show at the bar and then being on the show with him, he was working. Like, he was performing, kind of, on the show because that's also his brand. And when he wasn't, when he was downstairs, he was schmoozing, and it was also a little bit, um... Fake, too? It was, it was schmoozy. Okay. You know what I mean? Elevated. But it was, yeah, it was elevated, but it was, it was personable and, like, enjoyable and likable. Like, I found, like, I got along with him right away. Like, it was right away, and I was like, oh, this game is gonna be fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel it. Which, to be fair... He totally was. He totally was. But like a chew toy. He was a down-ass bitch. He's, well, here's the thing. He didn't leave the episode, and there have been episodes less heated than that where guests left. So that is to his credit. And, um... I don't think yeah. he was a down-ass bitch. Why? I don't know. I, you know what? I've said all I have to say about this guy. Two people in this room have listened to the episode. Your impressions, Brandon... I, I, I did definitely... Say a few times, and I, I will be fair. I was drunk walking around DC, killing some time before shows. Um, I was like, "Damn, Tommy's like, like a fucking bull." It's just seeing red, because there was times where you were just like, "You're on the way down. You're on the way down." I was like, I was impressed that Milo had it less, because I was just like, "Jesus Christ!" At one point, like everyone turned against him, and he's just screaming. But I do think you had a really valid point about the husband. That shit is weird. That no one's caught a picture of this guy. About protecting his identity. I just think for all like the kind of Twitter trolling and stuff he instigates and gets on his end too, that someone would have snuck out a picture by now. I'm saying, like, yeah, there'd be something. Oh, it's like he's a werewolf? He gets kicked out of gay bars for his behavior. Oh, you got to do a lot to do that. I know. Or whatever we're calling people these days. His, like, Milo followers to, like, reach out to a gay bar in Brooklyn and tell them what they think about this gay bar throwing a gay man out for being a conservative. When it's like, no, it's because you're a fucking mess picking fights with people. But that guy's dangerous. So I wish I had brought him into the conversation because I think a lot of the rage that I had toward Milo, I really feel toward Chadwick, who a lot of gays that I know in Brooklyn know. It's so funny because Chadwick and I got along even better than I got along with Milo. (laughs) 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 We exchanged numbers and we're like, let's get a drink. And I really did. We were just really good get along. And the truth is, I think that also, I think that because I know you, obviously, that you would like yeah, I think you'd like them both. Yeah, probably. I mean, I probably would get along with them because they're provocateurs. But, like, I also, I think that, like, Chadwick's a real person. Like, even though I made, like, I made eye contact with Chadwick a number of times when I was speaking to him. I never once made eye contact with Milo. That was my main issue. 
downstairs at the bar. Granted, I did walk in and say, nice to finally meet a Nazi in person. Which he did not take kindly to. <laughs> Fair enough, but get a fucking sense of humor. You're bartending in a fucking woman's negligee. That's, well, that's you <laughs> a comedy club. But you just Okay. So, I have a question about the genuine. Like, maybe he really does genuinely have a husband, but I'm wondering maybe the academia excuse is like the flip because he knows his followers are pieces of shit. So if the followers actually found out who his husband was, like. I'm just saying, like I'm on, I'm on Reddit and shit, like because of Opie and Anthony and stuff like that. That follow, and that too. Uh, but like, I get crazy shit on Twitter. Just like, imagine if like people actually saw this guy in person, like, especially if he's down in Florida. I mean, Jesus Christ. Okay. They're like, come on, Jabari, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, and uh, I started like argue with so a, yeah, a panel of three people on live, and you, know, you cannot say that they vote both sides are equally bad. Uh, well, I think that the thing that like actually is being said that I'm hearing when I agree with you when you say both sides are equally bad is that I hear both sides are equally human. And that, I think, is something that the left and right both get really wrong. They, they really disagree on it, too. The left does not see the right as human, the right does not see the left as human either. And they both feel justified because of whatever thing you want to justify. And that's equally to up, no matter what your excuse for that is. And again, not equating shooting up a church with, with giving someone a bad grade or pay for a license. The worst things all. that somebody's quote-unquote followers do are the worst things that humans do. I'm not saying that's not partisan. Like It is partisan that certain policies reinforce racist institutions or sexist institutions or whatever. Um and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not more on one side or the other, but I think that that's more a matter of opinion, whereas I think that, like, humanity is just, like, the state that we all forget that we share. I'm, and it's not partisan. I don't know. It's just really not partisan. I don't think. But I hear what you're saying, Corey. I saw that when you were on Fox News. Um, and I thought that you, like... Friend of the show, Fox News. Friend of the show, Fox News. Daddy of the show. 
First of all, they had far too many people on the podcast and no plan for how to move through everything. So it was kind of a mess from the beginning. Um, it seemed like something could probably happen beforehand because you definitely came in hot <laughs> with the first question. But I also think that, you know, like roles reverse me in that situation. I'm bringing something different than you are to that situation. Um, you know, I imagine not to put anything on you that's not there, but. I imagine coming in as a gay man, knowing what he represents to a lot of people on the right as like, well, he's our he's our reason to legitimize a lot of our bullshit. Um, it's different for you going in and like having a conversation with him than for me to go in and have that conversation. Jabari, do you know him? Milo? Yeah. No. No, do you know, do you oh. know who he is? <laughs> 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 yeah. He's like, I can talk to you one time. I mean, get off my dick. <laughs> not, to, not to like... Uh, but of the gay, do you think that most, would you say most gay men, at least in New York that you know, know who Milo is? Yeah. I would say so abrasive. Yeah, I don't, yeah. why do we all know who he is? Because that yeah, was he's the a point spectacle. that I made. He's a spectacle. The thing that frustrated me is he's a spectacle. And I think the thing that frustrated me about it was I think he did exactly more or less what he wanted to, which is what he always does. Like, there's a reason that he kind of made his name after all the Gamergate bullshit, but he made his name touring college campuses. Because what he does is he gets up and he says a bunch of inflammatory shit and he knows that the extreme, he like kind of, he caricatures, you know, feminists. He takes the most extreme forms of the left and acts like that's the left. And he knows that when he does this at a college campus, he's going to get some of those caricatures there. He's going to get good coverage. And then he puts that on the internet and it reinforces his point. So he never has to address any issues. He just says a bunch of shit. People flip out. And then you can see, like, look at the intolerant left. Blah, blah, Are we blah. talking about Trump or Milo? Milo, for sure. Milo. Trump does the same thing. And he goes to places where people are easily inflamed, like college campuses, which is right. so easy. Trump is they're, so they're trigger, trigger buttons. They're just a bunch of little triggers. It's like shooting a trigger in a barrel. Like you could just trigger all day long. Right. It's a bunch of 19-year-old emotionally unstable kids. That he's, yeah, acting like it's some noble, amazing thing to represent free speech to a bunch of 19-year-olds. Like, what? There's nothing impressive about that. Like he, he basically has kind of a Wikipedia knowledge of a lot of different areas and can get away with saying one or two inflammatory things that have a little bit of factual basis and no one challenges him on that. They flip out because of the crazy shit he's saying and then he can keep getting away with it. But that's it. what I was saying. He redirects the focus constantly to what one minute over my laptop. He redirects <laughs> the focus constantly to his behavior. And yeah. that's why talking to him is infuriating because everybody at that table probably me too, but I honestly don't think I did it as much. I was like really conscious of it. Played into it because it's fun. I really think that like everyone at the table, we all enabled one another to let him do that. And that's what was frustrating listening to it. Not being in the room, but like listening back to it. It was like, no, we all should have just stood together and like had a plan beforehand to not let that happen because what I think happened is that we had a conversation with him exactly as Doug was saying, like a lot of other conversations people have had with him. But Gnome, Dwarman, best uncle of the show, uh, he's the owner of the comedy cell that was on the show then. And Thank God. 
was so great. I love doing podcasts with Y'all that guy. So on point. He's so smart. He's so talented. He's a really a fucking cool guy. And I'm not a comic. I have no reason to like one of really give a shit. I've ever met. He's just a great guy. And I know Daddy Doug. <laughs> um, but he was insistent on Milo explaining what he meant about supporting in theory reparations. Yep. Uh, and that was a point of the conversation that I actually felt frustrated about. Because I was like, why are we? Why do we care what Milo's opinion on reparations is? Like, this is a guy who started the episode by saying that he basically, by proxy of England, invented Jamaica. Uh, and but he said that because he knew. He doesn't. He said it because he knew those people were going to get mad, and you could see it in his. On his yeah, face. but nobody took that. Bit. And you could nobody hear cared. it in his voice. Yeah. That's what. But that was almost all of what he said, and that's I think to your point of how. Are you going to take it? Like, no. everything he said was, like, with the design of this pause at the end to wait for people to, like, sink their little anger hooks into it mm. and get mad, and you don't have to. That's the thing about Milo. It only works if you play. Mm-hmm. I and guess, but he was not play. being, he was not just playing, because I will say this. He was like, I fucked, I, the, my presence fucked with that guy's head, because I didn't know till I listened back that when I got up to go to the bathroom, that he immediately started talking about me. And, like, spent the whole time I was away talking about it. To me. be honest with you, I it's crazy. Think, to be perfectly honest, I sensed some level of hurt on his part because of the, the husband line of questioning. Really? I, I sensed that it got him a little bit emotionally because I was under the, not under the impression, I sensed from seeing him in person and hearing him talk that not only is he genuinely married to a black man, it's someone he, like, deeply loves and cares about, and his blase, like, fuck it, I say what I want attitude, like, falters a little bit on that point, and you could see it, that he was, he was, he was saying that, sh- he was attacking you on a personal level, it was, like, not just his usual brand of insults, it was more personal because he felt it more personal. Good. He fucking deserves it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, I thought that the idea of reparations... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you no, you know what? Come and look me in the eye and have a conversation, and we'll be fine. I mean, you literally welcome on the show anytime. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. For Milo Chadwick, welcome Milo on the Yama show whenever. But Chadwick misrepresented me on uh, social media a while ago. What happened? Like, because I tried to get him on the show, and then he like tried to like act when I called him up for acting crazy in the middle of the night. <laughs> he tried to act like me. Who among us? Let's not throw stones. Like. <laughs> What do we define as middle of the night? I'm not telling y'all what I do at 2 a.m. Made it seem like nothing he says is authentic. 
And so it feels justified to question literally anything that somebody who just blindly uh, reinforces a brand yeah. the way that that guy does. And that's, I Is think, that the real though? issue, and I think that the overpacking of that studio is definitely led to us reaching that point. Because that's the really interesting point. Is like If you make a brand out of being inauthentic, and you do, with the you know gold chain ghetto Her. glasses or whatever, then how do you expect us to take you at your word? That's like such a valid question. Yeah. Uh, super valid. But I don't know, like, he did seem, if I look at it under the, with the lens of him really having a substance, he did seem genuinely, uh, like, that, that seemed like a break when he said, I would be concerned. I would be worried that he would be treated differently, I think was basically what he said in response to the question of, like, when your husband's driving home at night, are you worried about him? He also said he was paying for his husband's education and that is real love. <laughs> That shit's not cheap. His husband's getting a PhD, and he was like, do you know how expensive it is? And I was like, yeah, I do. Most of them are funded. If you're getting a PhD. And if it's down in Florida, I mean. Wait. I really don't know how many people. I Actually, no one I know has ever paid for a PhD. Really? Everyone I know pays for their PhD. Are they small? What? I'm just joking. Are they small? I said, are they smart? But I was trying to do a New Yorker accent. I need a lawyer. What? What are we talking about? You're a lawyer. No, I said I need a lawyer. No, no, no. I just uh. H and R Bot might have messed up my taxes, so yeah. Yeah, I can't do shit about that. Yeah, but if not, if I already got one refund and not the other, it's like gotten murky now. Wait, how'd you go four years without filing? Ah, yeah, they took that. Oh yeah. Almost done. Oh shit. Of course you are. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I know you got a big uh, scholarship for it. Fuck you. That was a big fail. They paid for you to get an MFA. Yale pays you based for acting, basically. Yeah. Oh well, because they produce like Meryl Streep's. They know they're gonna make it back in donations and notoriety. Wow. It's a smart move on their part, honestly. Good fucking lord. I'll be paying that shit off for a hot second. Um. That's kind of what Milo was getting at, though. Was like his idea of reparations was like in schools and funding. And then today there was like that's fair, but I think that kind of penalizes people that like don't want to go to school. Not school's not for everybody. Some people want to do a vocational thing or whatever. Or whatever. Vocational should should count, like vocational training and stuff. That should definitely be part of it. But totally. But Milo's argument on the show was they should go to schools that are like Ivy Leagues, right? Like. 
to Sherrod Small's face. He feels like Morgan's quote, face. Quote, ghettoized <laughs> people. He was like, he walked his back and he was like, I do believe that it was like a semantically just bad choice of words, but <laughs> but he was like, it what, funnels, let's say funnels, it funnels people into like the specific da 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 da. So it was like, you can't be ghettoized if you go to college. Like that's like <laughs> that's the opposite of the purpose of like higher education. How would you pay it in dollars or uh, gift cards? <laughs> well, how would you want? Blockbuster gift cards. <laughs> 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 oh, that'd be so funny. That'd be such a fuck you. See, I think. I think land is more valuable. I'm done. Give people property ownership where they there's no fucking uh, weird. Weird government interference because that's what they used to do to black people. They used to make it really difficult for black people to be homeowners and landowners because they used to fuck with you. But like, (laughs) yeah, but I mean, like, they used to be really bad with like getting people in these like home loans where pretty much like if you miss one payment after they jacked it all up, they take over everything and you lose all you've invested. Um, Because banks wouldn't loan uh, to black families, Uh, they still don't uh, because I've been trying to get a loan for a while. and it's like a big problem. So I think land and like having property where you can invest in generations upon generations, wealth. If you make the wrong decisions, one generation could wipe that out. So I think property like stays, right? They're not. That's why we have we have now. Yeah. Or is that why they're always like, we have to have our guns because they might come for us? Because I've always wondered who yeah. they are. And it's not the government because like the government literally knows how to fuck with those people. But if it's because we're going to be giving up, they're going to be giving up property to people they think are less deserving, then I can see why like they would have in theory their guns and. You mean like wealthy white people? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
property ownership just in terms of like who owns what. And yes, I do agree, people have been stuck with historically disenfranchised and still are, obviously. But people also work hard and buy property and pass it down through generations. Do you know what I mean? Like, then you have this, yes, you have exchange, you have this huge, the whole, the area is mostly gray. Work belongs to whom and for what reason and who deserves what. Who the fuck gets to decide? That's why, like, redistributing property is so dangerous and scary. Like, unless you're building shit for the purpose of giving it to the people that are deserving or whatever, like, that's, you're going to start a literal race war doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like, there has to be a plan in place that doesn't require judgment. If there's a plan in place that's like, that's like, Black Americans don't pay taxes for X number of generations, or whatever you have in mind, or like subsidized education, or just whatever. That is a almost that's like an interference-free system, right? So that just goes by the books, right? You're this person, you get this. Yeah, but there's a bit. Who's then? Does it become the domain of other Black people to help Black people who've been disenfranchised and don't know how to manage money because they've been poor for generations? How to use the money? But we're also talking about we also gotta remember like the people like But there's people of all races who that will just bring that's not that's about class. No yeah, but I'm just saying like people that come from generations, my family did not have money for I'm not saying it's the same as black people, but just in terms of managing finances, it's been passed down from generation to generation to misuse and abuse your finances and not give a fuck about there are places you can get that information training for free, though. I, I work with them. We do evaluations of those programs. Even in New York, there's, what, CEO, Strive International, um, a number of different places that will do financial literacy classes for low-income unemployed people, all free. All you have to do is show up, and you can get that information. But when is the class held? What's that? When's the class held? When? Yeah, like, what, like is it during the day? Is it at night? Is it in the morning? Oh, it depends. Um, But no, I mean, the thing is, one, obviously, all those programs are grant contingent, so Mm. they're not they don't always have funds. Um, And also, it does, to your point, it does, you do have to invest your time. And if you are working or looking for a job, yeah, there are contingencies there where you might not be able to do that. But those programs are available. It's just a matter of making them making people more aware that that exists. And making it easier to accept. I definitely understand, but to go to Tommy's point, and I think when people like, especially low income people, are like struggling just to make minimum wage, and they're working multiple jobs, and that's barely cutting it. I don't think a tax, like you know, not paying taxes, is going to really make that big of a bump. And especially if you don't have history of managing money. And to go to Tommy's point about managing money, I think, uh, I mean, I know uh, people that for generations have poorly handle money to the point where people can't pay for a train ride to get to a job interview. So like I would be tough oh, for like you to travel to a free financial literacy workshop one you don't have the money to like financially like organize and you can't get to the workshop. Oh yeah, and that's all the guys that I work with in my evaluation stuff. It's most of them are recently released, formerly incarcerated, um, all unemployed or underemployed and that those are the exact barriers yeah. that they're doing. So even you can have the greatest systems in place to help people but if you aren't addressing the barriers like you're getting at if you're not addressing the barriers for them to actually access that help and that even goes beyond things like transportation stuff and just like mentally kind of retraining people to think of all kinds of different things in a different way than they've grown up with and all they've known their whole lives there's just a ton of different barriers that people are experiencing in order to kind of get that new information and be able to 
utilize it in their lives. They should make a podcast. <laughs> okay, but then on the Or wants to do certain things. I definitely agree with providing opportunity. I think just like I know, like certain, you know, people of color, like in generations of color, just haven't had even the opportunity. Um, And some people just get outcomes; they don't even need opportunity. Just like jump to the finish line. Um, So I, like, some people just have their whatever they want to do set up. Like you know, you have generations of like families that, unless it's that one rebel kid, they're pretty much set for life. Like if you're a Kennedy. You kind of like can do whatever you want, right. you know. I mean, like I, honestly, I'm not even talking shit about the Kennys because I know one, so I'm not even, yeah. Are you saying that Irish get assassinated? Because I'm 19% Irish. I don't want to get shot. Oh yeah, I love Irish people. Yeah, <laughs> right, Last name's Collins, guys. Come on. So just to quick print like to think of it in terms of a policy and enacting actually enacting policy. So in I probably didn't mention something. So I do I do policy research and one of the there's kind of three main questions. <laughs> I didn't even say I was good at it. I just do it. Wait, do you have a PhD? No, just a master's. And a suit. I have a master's in a suit. <laughs> and if I talk a good game. I have a master's in a sweater. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's three kind of broad <laughs> questions. <laughs> I actually went home and just put this on as a power move. Gets all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so three kind of. No, um, tungsten. Tungsten is a very cheap. It's a Harry Potter language that talks to snakes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, 
Uh, it might be. It's in like um, like shotgun shells for hunting and stuff. Oh and shit! Yeah, he's got he's got animal blood on that ring. <laughs> it's more that it doesn't scratch, so it's not a soft. So it, it's shiny yeah. as fuck. Oh, I was about to see some so fast. <laughs> I don't even know turbinite. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what I bought, I was like, what's it made out of? So I can hit the wall with the real highlight. Like, yeah, no, that's literally the first question to ask you. Know, what is this made out of? Yeah. Yeah. What things can I punch without damaging my ring? I took I took the joke I was gonna say, and then I, I had switched the bat to me, so I could take the hit. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> I'm just ta- I just had a monologue in my head out loud. <laughs> One time I was five and I went on a seesaw. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So, yes, I'll, I'll I know, be I, brief, right? <laughs> uh, like, so three broad questions. The first question is, what is your goal and is it measurable? Um, the second question is, why do you think the intervention you're proposing will accomplish that goal? And the third question is, are there any uninten- unintended consequences of that policy? Because what you see a lot of the time is there are very well-intentioned policies that go into effect and they actually have pretty bad consequences. So one, I emailed you about it, Tommy, a couple of weeks ago. So, I emailed the unhirable Gmail. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I just figured Tommy's the one that responds to it. Boom, just did yeah. it. There you go. I run the Insta and only the And it's beautiful. <laughs> um, so some people might remember a couple of years ago, there was a campaign called Ban the Box. And Ban the Box referred to um, the box on job applications that says, have you committed a felony? Um, and the reason being is people get out of jail, they want to reform their lives, they haven't done anything, they've served their time, but they're still not able to get jobs, which leads them in a position that they're more likely to end up back in prison. Yeah, so, the, yeah, so there was a big activist movement called Ban the Box, which was to get that outlawed. Great idea in theory. So it passed, and the early results after a couple of years are it actually decreased hiring for young black and Hispanic men who hadn't committed any crimes. The reason being, exactly, if you can't ask, people assume, and that's who people assume it about. Or that more people were getting jobs who were felons. Did the study account for that? Like, no, there were just more jobs shifting over? No, so that's a very good question. So what it showed was, yeah, yeah, no, that's a very good question. So what it showed was those with the conviction were more likely than before the policy went into action, were more likely to get first call job interviews than they were in the past. So that was a a benefit of the program. But those who hadn't committed any crimes were less likely to get any job interviews than before the program. What do you do? Well, so, and just to be clear, that doesn't mean that I'm saying, oh, that was a terrible policy, it should have been enacted. We might see in a few years that that kind of wears off and it's just a delayed effect. Um, But it's, those are the kind of things that you have to be aware of, that there are going to be downstream consequences of a lot of things. The Rockefeller drug laws are another one. Like those had, broad support in what it was 1973's went into effect. The NAACP in New York supported those laws at the time. And we all know how poorly that turned out. The Rockefeller drug laws, those were kind of the, the super harsh sentencing laws on drugs that led to, they were kind of the precursor to Reagan's war on drugs. Right. It was the mandatory minimum sentencing, um, all of that stuff. Yeah, which was awful and didn't work. But that's at the time, also, the Nair program led to a lot of quality sweatshirts and 
and well, increases in drug use. My first time smoking ever, I was wearing a deer shirt. Really? Yeah, this and shit means nothing. Why not now? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a married man. That was my daddy. And a lot of the neolibs like have come out against it, like Kamala Harris, um, Kamala Harris. How do you say your name? Kamala. 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 Yeah. Kamala Harris. Um, and then. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we just let that sit. <laughs> I just took me a minute to put it together. <laughs> but like, it does all these things that like, like it does all these things for people that are in prison, like. It's like, more federal prisons, but yeah. I might stand myself just being that far from home. Helping you, <laughs> obtain, helping you to obtain like an ID on your, on your re-entry. Um, and then there's like a thing about like, uh, this is from CBS, I'm just like reiterating. Um, like shackling pregnant or... Oh yeah, yeah, so... Women, like you can't do it. Like this is one of the things that it provides for. But we're like basically... 18 million right? years ago? What the fuck is happening? Okay, but where people say it doesn't go far enough, is that it's prison reform, it's not sentencing reform. Oh. And like, there's an interesting website. Are you, do you like the Sentencing Project? Do you know it? Yeah, I know. I know, know of them. I, I don't know enough about them to comment on it, actually. I, I just know of them. it's a resource for like, an ignorant person like me to go to because it like, talks a lot about sentencing stuff and it's very easy to break down numbers. I, I'm not good at assessing bias and shit like this, so like, I just take it at face value, but whatever. If you find bias, I think it's helpful. Um, but the criticism is that it doesn't go far enough because of minimum sentencing. So, like, with minimum, like, I don't know, like, what's the issue? We were talking earlier, like, if it's reparations, how do we do reparations in a way that accounts for the fact that this many black people are in prison? 
Because like that, you, we can do tax breaks, but it doesn't address how many people are like not free. I mean, you can do a jobs guarantee. I mean, uh, I, got, I mean, it'd be better to have like a federal jobs guarantee you just pair, like period it across the country, but be able to say that um, like former um, inmates or you know, people that were in prison either you know unfairly or another any particular way um, can be guaranteed a job by the federal government um, by you know, on, on their way, way out um, and training for it and everything. Uh, and you know that's not something that will be specific to black people, but because there's so many of them, like disproportionately, it would be it would work to bring some equity. Friend of the show, Mike Cernovich, <laughs> um, <laughs> who's a, like an interesting guy because I think because he's done psychedelics, um, and I think he's like this before and after with psychedelics. He tweeted a few weeks ago, and he's like lumped in with Milo and like Ben Shapiro and all those like white guys that talk about Trump um, in that way. But I like Cernovich a lot because I did race towards it and that guy makes and sustains eye contact and after we recorded a yeah, That was a big part for you. It's a low bar. That was a <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'll talk to anybody. Yeah, that is I guess a low bar. That's my bar. Like make eye contact with me while you're talking to me. It's a very human bar and it's, it's a people yeah. bar. Yeah, that's why his hair's like that. Grinding on the bike so hard right now, like, no, fuck you. Broad question. Um, and I can address it in, as far as the article you're talking about. But finish your sermon. I, I, that, we almost got wrecked by me being high. You're not even high. No, I'm still as fuck. I know you still go on tangents. It's like your brain. <laughs> okay, no, it's uh, that Milo, Milo, uh, Cerno, uh, Trump. He wants everyone to love him, and he knows black people don't love him. That's why he brought the Kanye thing of the NRA of all things. He's like, this Kanye guy's crazy, right? It's great.
large swaths of black and brown people to vote for him and genuinely want Fuck you, to vote Clinton. for him, <laughs> then he would do that yeah, because he wants to be loved by his people. He needs yeah. it. He's got this this black hole of, of need for validation <laughs> that needs to, what, or a white hole of need, or, or a Puerto Rican now. hole of need, or whatever you want. I feel like hole of color. I'm Oh, I guess it's right now. Oh, and everyone's like, it's Satan. <laughs> 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 All I'm saying is it didn't open up when Obama was. But that made me think that that was like, that rang true to me. I was like, this motherfucker would do that, I think. He could. Under Je- well, Jeff Sessions was there and everything? Is Jeff Sessions trying to go after fucking... Oh, no, I just love uh, Kate McKinnon's impression of him. That's, like, the best thing in the world. Because Trump hates when the women are portraying his cabinet members, and he hates that shit. I think it's the funniest thing in the world. But what if you're 31 and you don't like to be made fun of? Who's 31? Yeah, who? Huh? Oh, this wine is delicious. I'm So your your question about the article, Tommy. Um, first, yeah. <laughs> bringing it back around. Um, what it sounds like. So what they're saying is, this doesn't go far enough as far as ref, like sentencing reform. That's kind of a situation of you're letting great be the enemy of good. If you can do something good, don't stall it because it's not everything you want. Um, okay, but isn't that what people said about Obamacare? Isn't that what? But he was never going to get universal health care. Isn't that, and maybe it's right because Don't Ask, Don't Tell eventually did lead, it was followed by what we have now. True, but this isn't, this isn't like a bad sentencing reform bill. It just doesn't even address it. And that's their concern is that it doesn't address it. Um, The other thing is with mandatory minimums, those are recommendations. Those are guidelines. Prosecutors do not have to abide by mandatory minimum sentencing. That's at their discretion. So do we have too many racists? Yeah. So, so for people, yeah. So for people, if you're really interested in this, I would recommend a book called Locked In by John Pfaff. He's a law professor at Fordham University. Why don't you summarize it for us? I I absolutely will. His main thing is is it's prosecutors. It's prosecutors going for election on tough on crime things. So to get to the point about drug sentencing, if you were right now to release everyone that's in federal and and state prisons who are nonviolent drug crimes. If you were to release every single one of them now, the prison population would still be 10 times what it was in 1970. So it's not strictly the drug stuff. It's not strictly for-profit prisons. It's prosecutorial power. And that's what his book argues. And it's all based in statistics. It's a really compelling, interesting book. Um, But it is. It's prosecutorial power. No, not at all. And that's why I told you when Kamala Harris was one of the people that opposed it, that's how she made her name. She became the AG in 2010 
on running on a tough on crime platform. And if you look at her conviction rate for drug crimes, as it led up to that point, it steadily increased each year leading up to that point. Yeah, but people would say that's because she probably worked for like Rich White at some point. She was reporting to. Potentially, but she didn't change anything about that once she became the AG. But is there anything that you really can't change when you're an AG? Absolutely, because you set the standard for what you're going to prosecute. Well, how's Marilyn Mosby going for instance? Remember she had that hot moment down in Baltimore with her husband? She's, I think, like a state's attorney there. And she was like, you know, I think she saw, like, like Freddie Gray was there, I think. Was he Baltimore? I think it was after Freddie Gray. I'm sorry. Like, I can't remember. Anyway, but she, like, uh, yeah, you know who she is. Look her up. Google her. Anyway, but nobody knows who she is. Everyone Google her. But I wonder if it's, like, I don't. She's like a hero for a hot sec. Yeah, and I think she's still, like, doing political shit. We should all look in on her. But seeing, like, that, like, I don't know, finish your thought. I have nothing else to say. Oh, no, that was that was more or less the extent of it. It's just that it's not uh, something like sentencing reform, uh, you know, legalizing marijuana and doing all that. That still won't cut a significant amount of the incarceration rate. Um, what it sounds like is, and there's another guy, Adam Foss, I believe it is, who is a prosecutor out of Boston who now works with John Legend, on different reform work. Um, did they do that documentary yeah. together for HBO? They um, may well have. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, yes. <laughs> the, the perfect imperfections <laughs> of a supermodel. <laughs> she sings? Does she have another name? Like Donald Glover? That's Glover's? such a great question, too. <laughs> so what do we... Okay, but so... Okay. Oh, we're going to. I just took off my pants. We're, I I'm here all night. We can't leave this room till it's solved. Okay, but we have to solve reparations right now. So what, seriously, what do we do? And it's like, I get the, don't make, don't make race the enemy of good, but like, we're not doing, I don't mean to be in this room, I mean like, we're, we're not doing anything. Like, we're not doing anything. People make noise all the time. It's like gun control. Like, what has to happen before anybody gives a shit that like generations and generations are fucked? We got to get, we got to get on the same page. We we have to get over this division. We're like, no, we have to we have to start seeing each other as human, and we have to figure out what like no one wants to debate anymore. What that actually means, because whenever I, yeah, because when I hear it, whenever I hear that from the right, I've seen people like engage with debates with people from the right, and they're like, no, you're dumb. Like that doesn't make any sense. And it's immediately dismissive, but it's like you just told me no one wants to debate anymore. So does debating mean, yeah, we could talk about our political views, but you have to win. Because that's what I get a lot whenever I watch CNN, whenever I watch Fox. Everyone's like, everyone's like, let's have a debate. But then it's always like, no, but I get the last word because I'm going to win this. Like, we're, we're talking about our differences, but I'm the right one. And I think that's across the board, not just politically. I think that's about class. I think it's about race. Um, and I think we have a long way to go before we're even on the same page in regards to, like, everyone feeling safe and, like, okay about being where they are. Well, what I mean by that is, like, when Obama was in office, like, even, like, my Republican friends admit, like, I never felt, like, alienated or, like, the person who's running the free world doesn't like me. When Trump 
one and everyone like my, my friends came to me they were like hey why are like why are you and a lot of people so upset about this like because it's just a president i'm like yeah but i've never felt even with bush and anybody like even when you read about what president said in history like nixon and shit you're just like i was around at the time so whatever but you never felt like someone genuinely didn't like who you are because of what they said you never feel like your your person you love that their family would feel that way um and feel unsafe you know because there's like teenagers that are Spanish, they were getting like harassed by white kids singing Build That Wall the first week he got elected. And that never happened before. And you're seeing young people break like yeah. So ultimately, things still can get in. Mm-hmm. So it's futile unless you build yourself. They just wasted their fucking time on this wall, like idiots. No, but then the gods ultimately come back. And oh, okay. Love a Karen and Ty were just like, yeah. Look, just tell us the ending, like. <laughs> Like crazy, and maybe that's because it's 
not it's not gonna work as a wall. Well listen, I don't wanna go down this hole, but Mexico needs I mean, to we're in a hole. We're in a hole. Like, like that's Mexico a big part of it. Yeah, totally. But, but also, that that but doesn't the make them evil. No, it affects Mexico. And does, no, no, I'm saying it doesn't You're going to make that explode. I'm saying it doesn't affect Mexico's That's behavior cartel for us shit. to build no. a wall. It's not going to change their cartel behavior for us to have a wall all of a sudden. I disagree. I actually think it will make the cartel behavior escalate. Yeah, because they're, they're going to find other ways to do shit. Pretty nebulous U.S. presence. Are they using drones now at this point, too? For sure, of course. Yeah. You know that. I don't yeah. know that, but you know that. We I mean, people that. own drones. Like, their neighbors own drones. Just legalize weed and it cuts off so much yep. fucking yeah. illegal trade there. This fucking guy. And then his wall could be like just like a fabulous thing that doesn't matter if he does that. Right, he's like a really he's shiny, shiny wall or red white blue wall yeah, yeah. or some kind of cool wall. They do everything the exact same way. Yeah. We know exactly what he's doing. It's all done the exact same way. It's not hateful. It's. I mean, it might be hateful, but he's not a hateful person. I really think that I increasingly really know that. Don't that. I, I, I think don't. that he tries and tries and tries to get a kind of resolve. When he doesn't get it, he tries another thing. And I think his people are like, oh, he's slimy and slippery. Sure, but that's almost a kind of uh, appealing disclaimer that he has to, to, want, to one, he doesn't stick to a thing until it falls apart or explodes or whatever or happens to work. Like, you mm-hmm. see how Kim Jong-un rule rocket man, that shit, shit popped up, that didn't work. Screaming it. Thank you. <laughs> Say exactly what we thought you said. <laughs> <laughs> In your own words. Was that good? Was that we're good? Yeah, anyway, whatever. You all get it. You all get it. He's awful, though. He's gross. I don't like the guy. I'm not saying it. I'm not voting for him. But I do think that one thing we can all learn from him is that there's room to negotiate. He likes the negotiation. He likes it to get messy. His divorce had... His wife literally say he raped her. But now she's kind of a kind of on his team. You gotta say it's fucking not amazing. Kind of. It's amazing how he's got people down for him like that, even after all this mess. He keeps the job now. Yeah, they gotta be united, <laughs> especially with those sons going to jail soon. I mean, it's it's also painful. Have you guys read um uh, uh, Tanase Coates' new book about the eight years in power? So the thing that's like most hurtful about like everything that happened with Trump was like we literally had to have like someone who wasn't even fully black, who's the highest education level, like who did all these great uh, things and they like, persevered, and you literally like America literally voted the person who's the least qualified candidate ever for president. But like because he's a white guy, like we—that's how Black America feels, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's like the one reason why, like we, we really have a hard time giving him the benefit of the doubt or like being open-minded with anything trouble-related. At least that's what, in my experience, in my my circle of friends, how we feel about. It. But can I ask a question? How much yeah. of that do you think is like a feeling more than like based on the data we have on this guy? Because as far as I can tell, he might be. 
to be protected. Because shit had to happen to China. And generally speaking, we had to rem- we had to do something on the like eastern part of the Asian peninsula. Mm-hmm. Because it was all just kind of because of walls coming to a boiling point. And since he's been in office, shit is... Boiling walls is my new band. <laughs> <laughs> but since he's been in office, that's, where, that's why I think I, I sound more sympathetic to this guy than uh, a lot of people, because I'm not, I'm not sympathetic to him. But what's happening there, specifically, between Korea and China, um, is very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, but it's not done yet. It's not done yet. It could regress from where it was. I know, but yeah, but also it could just like chill the fuck out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it's like I don't know. Like I was kind of on that page when you know when the Korea start stuff started happening, but then like recently, just with the Iran deal and like rap, like ramping things up with Iran now, I just I don't know. I kind of just think he's a puppet of of the deep state. No. You think Trump is a deep state puppet? This is a do you believe in the idea. deep state or are you being funny? I'm being funny about it right now. Oh, I mean, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> got so sad. Well, I'm serious. I'm not a real thing. Do you believe that? Because I don't not believe in it. But I, think I don't, I don't think of like a group in a like, group of men like in a room. Like, I don't know. It's just people's perception of like that. I don't think it's Illuminati style, Illuminati. I think there is a deep state. I think they're like literally Illuminati style. No, I think like by military industrial complex, like the people that like consistently want to push money. There's no, no, there's a few <laughs> Jews in the small group. Oh, More than proportional <laughs> to the population, for sure. <laughs> Anyone other than me is a My guess is that there are, it's like 10 guys, there's probably four Jews, I would guess. Think so? Yeah, in this country sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, come on, because that's 2% of the population. Well, 40%, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2% of the population, 40% of the representation of the top, for sure. Right, right. <laughs> but not to 51% ever, because then Holocaust. Hashtag Holocaust. You hit, you hit 51% of power visible. <laughs> all of our guests just yeah. cringed. I know. <laughs> You're allowed to say whatever. We all got all hard. Right. Get it. No, just kidding, kidding. That's not funny. Holocaust. Don't attack the truth. It's not funny. It's the fucking truth. Hashtag Holocaust. We think about it every goddamn day. But the Museum of Jewish Heritage <laughs> in New York is propaganda. Because you go through the Holocaust uh, reading about uh, social justice, and then you get to the third floor, which is post-1945, and it's like Palestine doesn't exist. And it doesn't. Because social justice only applies once. Well, it's this is a personal argument, I feel like I should leave. Yeah, yeah there's a history. Yeah, like... Woo. We stuff. We don't care about Asians, do we?
<laughs> Can you do two of anything? Can you like marry two people? No, you have to pick one for each. So that means somebody, some people get unused, and that's okay. Care. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! So mean. Wow. Is that, is that nice? Is that nice? Why not? Let's do it with continents: Asia, Africa, North America. You guys are so racist. I know. That's why it's kind of fun. I am gonna fuck. Um, Oh fuck! <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Mary, Mary Jabari, Mary Jabari, because had a lot of conversation about movies and books with him, so I know I could talk about whatever. <laughs> uh, I think I would kill Tommy because he sympathizes with the devil. Um, and who do I? Who do I fuck? Cause you wear a suit. <laughs> Look at fans. I'll fuck Karen. Whoa. I'll fuck Karen. I didn't tell you how I was going to kill you. I considered marrying Tommy, but I think we would just argue a lot. Yeah, but I think Tommy likes arguing far more oh, than if I everyone do. kills Tommy, it's uh, going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'll... I'll marry Jabari actually, because I because I think we would have interesting conversations that I don't know if I don't know you well enough to know if we would argue the whole time. Um, I'm gonna have to fuck Karen. Have to. I, shit, I meant to preface that with I love you to my wife if she's listening. Have to. Uh, <laughs> and then, fuck, I have a hometown connection with Brandon. That's why I didn't kill you, man. But I want to be invited back. Um, Kara can do her own show. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm going to lovingly euthanize Brandon. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll be present for it because he murdered me. I see what happens. Okay. <laughs> Doug is a racist. <laughs> oh no, but we're we're from the same town. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. A lovely life together. For sure. Um, so happy. I'll probably fuck you, Tommy. Um, I mean, yeah. I would be insulted. If <laughs> 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 and I went murdered and unused. <laughs> Correct. Kill somebody now. So. Yeah. You would have to kill somebody. There's two ways to go around. Well, Karen, I've known you longer. The so. white man is. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy Doug, I gotta, I gotta off you. 
It's okay. And that's our show. No, <laughs> <laughs> Why you make my wife a widow? Come down to you and I, Daddy Doug, right? for being murdered. Nothing to offer. See, I talked all that shit. I was like, Tom's gonna be the one who gets killed by everybody, and now I'm over here getting sliced up. My value is literally my money. Okay. No, I just like couldn't bring myself to kill you guys today. I feel too much love towards her. I hope we're a different episode in a heartbeat. But then I'm obviously gonna kill you because I'm so vengeful. I can't okay. So that's three murders. I see where I'm welcome. Yes, got my earliest fuck birthday show at Union Hall, uh, Friday, June 15th. It's going to be a lot of fun, 10 p.m. show. Uh, you can get tickets at AmericanCollins.com. Also, check out my movie podcast, Medium Popcorn, Niggas Spoiling Movies. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Karen and Tom have been on. Uh, it's been it's great. We were on a Patreon episode. No, you were not. No, you were not. Obsessed is not Patreon. It's available there. I did one of your Patreon episodes, though. Yeah, but you also did a public one. True. First, you did one of the first ones we did, Comedy Outliers. True, 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 true. I was just trying to yeah, throw yeah. it back at y'all. You're on another one. Oh, Lord. Welcome back. We love you. Uh, I'll be speaking on a panel at Left Forum. Nerd. Yes. Great. That's awesome. Wait until they Google you. Nothing to personally promote, uh, but sign up for their Patreon. Go see Brandon. I've seen his stand up. He's hilarious. Oh, so. Thank you, man. Everyone here, Jabari, the speech you're giving, do all of that. Support everyone here. Oh, wow. That's so sweet. <laughs> I don't feel bad about you killing me now. <laughs> Don't 